It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, and watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV Plus. Is IVF next? In vitro fertilization is already a grueling path to pregnancy. With embryos gaining new legal protections, it could become a criminal one. By Jill Filipovich. Sitting in an exam room preparing for another round of in vitro fertilization wasn't where Elizabeth planned to be in June 2022, days after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and ended the legal right to abortion in America. The next year would be a crucial one for making partner at her law firm, and she already had a 16-month-old daughter at home. Not to mention that after two years of infertility, followed by the difficult process of IVF and then new parenthood, she'd been looking forward to a relaxing summer, family beach trips, a vacation with her girlfriends, watching her daughter's budding personality take shape. Instead, Elizabeth, who's 34 and asked to use a pseudonym for fear of future legal liability, had decided with her husband to accelerate their plans for a second child. Their home state of Louisiana had a trigger law that criminalized abortion the moment the Supreme Court overturned Roe, and Elizabeth feared IVF could be next. The couple had five embryos left over from their first foray into fertility medicine, and they'd been considering trying IVF again in the fall or early 2023. But prompted by the ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, Elizabeth was at the clinic, preparing for a midsummer implantation. The couple hoped they'd still be able to choose what to do with the remaining embryos if this one led to a baby. We have one precious daughter that we had through IVF, Elizabeth says. We don't want five more. For abortion opponents, the topic of IVF can also be fraught. Most Americans, including large majorities of Catholics and evangelicals, reject the idea that the procedure is immoral, and many large anti-abortion organizations steer clear of the subject. But some influential groups are unequivocal. Producing children via IVF is practicing eugenics. Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life of America and Students for Life Action, wrote in an Instagram post in which she also compared the procedure to abortion and slavery. Stephen Aden, the chief legal officer and general counsel for Americans United for Life, which pens much of the model anti-abortion legislation adopted by conservative state legislators, told The Guardian the process of creating and breezing or discarding embryos is untenable in a culture that respects life. And Russell Moore, as president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, argued that the only ethical way to undergo IVF 
was to implant every embryo created in the process. Out of every 100 babies born in the U.S., two are conceived thanks to fertility treatments. In 2020, the total was almost 80,000. These treatments are often sought by couples struggling with infertility and are practically crucial for same-sex couples who have few other childbearing options. According to preliminary data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, more than 120,000 eggs or embryos were frozen and stored across the U.S. in 2020. The choice about what to do with these embryos, or whether one can even create and store them in the first place, could be removed from prospective parents if states pass personhood laws or other broad abortion bans. Personhood laws, which have been proposed and thus far rejected in at least 10 states since 2008, typically state that life begins from the moment of conception. They imbue fertilized eggs with a full set of legal rights, often including rights to due process and equal protection, and categorize their intentional destruction as homicide. Several of the proposed bills, including one in Louisiana, have failed in part because of their potential impact on IVF and some popular and highly effective forms of contraception, including IUDs. Still, the Dobbs decision threw so many fertility specialists and patients into a panic that the American Society for Reproductive Medicine retained a prestigious law firm to analyze state trigger laws that had been passed to criminalize abortion the moment the court overturned Roe. Most of those laws, the firm found, have seemingly no impact on IVF because they specifically criminalize acts carried out during pregnancy or on a pregnant woman. The question remains, though, whether this somewhat arbitrary distinction can hold. Can a fertilized egg be a legal person if it's inside a woman's body, but not if it's in a Petri dish? One month after the Dobbs decision, Dr. Nicole Ulrich, a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist at Audubon Fertility in New Orleans, is pinging between her facility's various buildings, dropping by the IVF clinic, then popping into the Audubon Fertility House for patient appointments. The ceilings there are high, the walls are painted in soothing neutrals, and a stuffed pink uterus sits ready for patients' kids to play with. Several times a day since Dobbs, Ulrich has found herself allaying the fears of already stressed-out patients, who must now worry that laws purportedly designed to stop abortions could stop them from having the children they desperately want. The prospective parents all want to know this. What does the decision mean for my plan to grow my family? They ask about the potential impact at least a couple times a day, Ulrich says. What puts IVF in the post-row battlefield is the creation and destruction of embryos. To maximize the chances of a successful pregnancy, specialists fertilize as many of a woman's mature eggs as they can retrieve. After a few days, some of those fertilized eggs may stop growing, in which case they're discarded. Embryologists then assess the growing embryos for quality, zeroing in on those that are viable and could potentially create a healthy pregnancy. Embryos that aren't viable are typically destroyed as well. If an individual or a couple opts for genetic screening, they may choose to get rid of embryos with abnormalities that could prevent a healthy pregnancy. Finally, individuals or couples face the choice of what to do with leftover embryos once they've completed their family. They may discard them, continue paying storage fees to preserve them, or, less commonly, donate them to scientific research or to a couple seeking embryo adoption, a practice religious groups often encourage. For those who don't want more children but are uncomfortable with or morally opposed to discarding or storing embryos and don't want their biological children being born to someone else, there's also the option of a compassionate transfer, 
inserting the embryo into a person's uterus at a time when she isn't fertile and it is unlikely to attach. Under a legal framework that gives a fertilized egg personhood rights no matter its location, any destruction of an embryo deemed viable by the state would be termed a serious crime, potentially including murder. Even a specialist who was overseeing an embryo that didn't thaw successfully could face lawsuits or criminal charges. It would also be an open question, subject to state law and the courts, whether fertility specialists could create more embryos than they planned to implant in any given cycle. For many patients, this would mean further arduous and expensive rounds of IVF, which, without insurance, can cost about $25,000 with medications, depending on the procedure and the place. As it stands, according to one study, fewer than a third of women had a live birth resulting from their first round of IVF. The figure rises to almost 70% only by the sixth. Even without personhood laws in place, doctors, patients, and lawyers are navigating newly treacherous terrain. Ulrich has assured her patients that fertility treatments can proceed as planned, following discussions with her business partner, her team, and the clinic's lawyer. Still, she's worried. Louisiana's personhood bill was defeated only a month before the Dobbs decision, and the state already regulates infertility options more stringently than most. Same-sex couples are barred from using gestational carriers, making it particularly difficult for gay men to have children, and the state outlaws discarding an embryo that continues to develop, even if genetic testing finds that it could never lead to a healthy pregnancy. Audubon Fertility has been storing its patients' embryos at a facility in Texas so its patients can decide how long to keep the embryos and when to discard them. Now, with some patients in distress over the future of reproductive rights in that state, the clinic is looking for other options. IVF patients in other conservative states have also been scrambling to move their embryos to more liberal territory. Prior to Dobbs, there were already signs of growing hostility toward IVF from Louisiana's most influential anti-abortion groups. When a Republican state legislator proposed a law mandating insurance coverage for fertility treatments earlier this year, she faced swift opposition from the Catholic Church and Louisiana Right to Life, leading IVF to be stripped from the promised coverage. Louisiana Right to Life opposes some infertility treatments, its website says, because oftentimes other babies are killed to produce one healthy child. Passing a personhood law wouldn't in a sense make IVF illegal, Ulrich says, but its classification of fertilized eggs as unborn children would leave providers and the embryologists who take care of the embryos vulnerable to being charged with murder. Few would want to practice in such an environment, so it would essentially take away IVF services in the state of Louisiana. One of Ulrich's patients, Margaret, worries about the implications of a different kind of infertility treatment. At 36, she's trying to have her first baby. She and her husband have opted for a procedure called ovulation induction and intrauterine insemination, IUI, which is significantly less invasive than IVF, and at $1,000 to $2,000 for a single cycle, significantly less expensive. Margaret, who also requested to use a pseudonym to protect her privacy and shield her from possible legal consequences, had planned to take fertility drugs that would increase the number of potentially viable eggs released from her ovaries, as with IVF. Unlike in IVF, though, a doctor would then inject her husband's washed and concentrated sperm directly into her uterus, increasing the chances of a fertilized egg and a successful pregnancy. Going up to two to three eggs is going to increase your chance of getting pregnant, Ulrich tells her, but it would also increase her chances of getting pregnant with multiples, twins, triplets, or even quadruplets. 
Pregnancies of triplets or more can be dangerous for women and their fetuses alike, particularly if the woman is older or has health complications. Margaret's eyebrows arch, and she asks, if more than one implants, what is the risk with the new law? What I tell people, Ulrich says, even pre-decision with Roe, is if you get pregnant with multiples, your option is selective reduction, a procedure that reduces the pregnancy down to twins or a single fetus. Is that legal still, Margaret asks? It is, but not in Louisiana, Ulrich says. Margaret wrings her hands. We would be able to find someone who will take care of you, Ulrich assures her. I just can't tell you it's this person at this facility. I could have a year or two ago, but right now I can't. Margaret goes quiet and rubs her fingers. It's just a lot to take in, she says. Ulrich has options for care outside Louisiana, but as neighboring states impose increasingly restrictive laws, women will have to travel farther afield, increasing the cost. It also creates a potential bottleneck for specialists in more liberal states in terms of the number of patients they're going to be able to see at a time and whether or not patients are going to be able to get in in time, she says. It may end up being a situation where a woman is essentially forced to carry a high-order pregnancy, a multiple pregnancy, despite the risk to her health and her concerns about it. Ulrich later finds a doctor in New York who will see her patients if necessary. Some patients have opted to take lower doses of ovulation-inducing drugs to decrease the risk of multiples, but that also decreases the number of potentially viable eggs and means more procedures, more blood draws, more ultrasounds, potentially a second round of medication if we're starting low and trying to be really, really careful with the response, Ulrich says. Then, in addition to that, if we overshoot and she gets three follicles, and that's not acceptable to her, we would cancel the cycle, and then she would have lost that time and money. With infertility treatments, especially with older patients, every month matters. Being as conservative as possible may limit her chances of success with the ovulation induction treatment, and then could potentially push her to doing more aggressive treatments earlier, essentially being IVF, Ulrich says. But insurance often doesn't cover IVF, leaving a patient to make a difficult calculus, a procedure she can afford but that risks dangerous multiple pregnancies she might not be able to terminate, or a procedure without the risk of multiples that might break the bank and still isn't guaranteed to work. Not far from the Audubon Fertility Clinic, Elizabeth, the patient who moved up her plans for a second child, has been preparing for the familiar emotional roller coaster of IVF. Except this time, as she takes regular shots of estrogen to prime her body for pregnancy, her husband is unusually nervous. I meet Elizabeth and the couple's two enthusiastic Labradors at her home in New Orleans before she leaves for work one morning in July. The night before, her husband turned to her in bed. I'm terribly worried that if this is a high-risk pregnancy and something goes wrong, we're going to lose you, he said. I don't want to go from trying to be a family of four and going to a family of two. Elizabeth has a soft southern accent. When one of the dogs misbehaves, she scolds her with a firm, No, ma'am! And the combination of her navy polka dot dress and porcelain doll features gives the impression that she could be a woman from another era. You can picture her inside one of the oil portraits on her dining room walls, occupying this 100-year-old house when it was first built. One side of the dilemma she's facing comes down to a question women have dealt with for centuries, especially in times of crisis and upheaval. Is it wise to have a baby soon, given that she might not get the care she needs if something goes tragically wrong? The other side is modern and dystopian. 
Is it wiser to wait and take on the risk that they won't be able to decide what happens to their embryos or might face criminal penalties if they make a decision the state deems homicidal? Elizabeth's husband's concerns aren't purely theoretical. A few weeks after laws criminalizing the provision of abortion went into effect in states across the U.S., pregnant women and healthcare workers began reporting cases of doctors unable to provide standard care for common but potentially dangerous pregnancy issues, miscarriage, ectopic pregnancies, preeclampsia, or offering substandard care that decreased the physician's legal risk. One study of pregnancy complications at two Dallas hospitals found that since Texas implemented its restrictive anti-abortion law in September, more than two dozen miscarrying women were refused the kind of care they would previously have received because their fetuses still showed signs of cardiac activity. The delay in treatment left many of those women with life-threatening complications. One woman's uterus ruptured, and she had to have a hysterectomy. And after Louisiana's trigger law banning abortion went into effect... A woman miscarrying at 16 weeks was forced to undergo what her doctor described in an affidavit as a painful, hours-long labor to deliver a non-viable fetus, despite her wishes and best medical advice, during which she was screaming, not from pain, but from the emotional trauma she was experiencing. Then the patient began hemorrhaging, losing almost a liter of blood before the doctor could stabilize her. Greer Donnelly, an associate professor at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law, says there doesn't seem to be much appetite for criminalizing infertility treatments at the moment, at least not nationwide. But the anti-abortion movement is in an enthusiastic frenzy, and many states seem to be competing to demonstrate which one can establish itself as the most, quote, pro-life. It takes only a few states, Donnelly notes, to pass laws that could have ripple effects nationwide and even constrain the rights of one state's citizens from availing themselves of another state's legal health care options. We have generally assumed that citizens can take advantage of other states' laws, Donnelly says. But as abortion opponents seek creative ways to prosecute those who assist women in traveling for abortions, that same type of energy could be directed toward people who are destroying embryos in other states. She adds, If you see a state pass a law saying that embryos are persons, full stop, and then they pass another law saying that it's illegal for a citizen to go to another state to destroy an unborn person... If they are a citizen of our state, you can imagine that same extraterritorial application applying in the context of fertility as well. That day, Elizabeth hopes, is far enough in the future that she and her husband don't have to decide immediately what to do with their embryos. Louisiana's treatment of pregnant women is concerning enough, though, that she's considering her options. Maybe, she says, they'll stay with family in a more liberal state for the duration of her pregnancy. But they have jobs, a house dogs, a kid, a lot to leave behind for almost a year. We've always thought that we wanted to try for a second child, Elizabeth says. Or do we just say that we're good with one 